Hey, I'm back again to record another episode for my podcast. I know it's been a while since you heard from me. And when I first started, I was recording every week because I was very excited about achieving my goal. It was a new thing to me. And I just get a kick out of talking to people. That's always been a gift of mine. I like to talk. I always like to explain myself because I want people to understand. So, the topic that I want to talk about is an imaginary line. Most adults who were traumatized as children, who were severely abused, neglected, or violated, have an imaginary line. You may not be aware that you draw an imaginary line, but you do. Because there are two sides to you. The picture-perfect side that you show and disclose to people because you want them to think that everything is okay. You're coping with everything and all is well. But there's another side of you that people that are not close to you don't know about. That injured side. That side where you don't show them that you're suffering and that you're hurting. The side, the vulnerable side. The side that you don't show to everybody. And you keep this side of you concealed from people that you don't trust because you remember the last time you was vulnerable and you was not aware that there were predators that people were judgmental you was just innocent And because you was innocent, somebody took advantage of you. And you promised yourself that you would never allow anybody to take advantage of you again. So, there's a place that not too many people can go with you. You draw the imaginary line because you want to protect yourself. You don't want to be hurt again like you was when you was vulnerable. So you learn that you're not going to allow people to go past this line. You draw that imaginary line because, like I said, you have to protect yourself. You don't want anybody to judge you. 
You don't want anybody to know how hurt you are. You don't want anybody to know how damaged you are. Because you want to keep all of that private. Only those who know your real story. Only those who you can trust and know that they really have your best interests at heart can see that side of you. That side when all the makeup is gone. The real you. The part of you that shows everything. Your scars, your wounds, your hurt, and your pain. Those people that see that side of you, they love you in spite of that. And those are the only people who can get past that imaginary line. I can't say that there are any positive aspects of drawing that imaginary line. I know the reason why we have an imaginary line because we have to protect ourselves. We don't want people to know our pain. Not everybody understands our pain. Not everybody understands why we do what we do. Because if they did, they wouldn't judge us. Not everybody knows that we cry in the middle of the night. Not everybody knows that we judge ourselves very harshly. I don't know what standards that we judge ourselves by. Not everybody knows that we are sensitive. Not everybody knows that we don't like ourselves. And if we had it to do another another way, we would change everything about us. But we, what we don't know is that because our pain, it has made us stronger. Now, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I have to talk about this because this is part of who I am. If you read my book, you know that I have other siblings. And they were affected by the abuse that I experienced as a child. I suffered the worst. My sisters, even though they suffered at the hands of my mother, I was the one who had the scars to prove it. I have physical scars. They might have mental and emotional scars. I just learned that one of my sisters, the one, I think she was a year younger than me, she passed away. And I know she passed away due to 
drug abuse because she couldn't get past the pain. And what people need to understand is that sometimes people say stuff and they don't even know that they're they're saying stuff that really annoy you. Oh, you should get over it. You should have been past it. But those, 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 that pain never goes away. And I don't think my sister was able to get past that pain because though she didn't bear the scars that I had, she was pretty. She had a nice, clear complexion. She had long hair. She was everything that I wanted to be. She still suffered. She could not get past what my mother had done to her. I wasn't close to her. Only thing I have is memories of her. But I know she was in the same household that I was and she suffered abuse. See, I don't know her pain. I know that she has pain because I have pain. Because we all was under my mother's household. So I can't say that her pain was not as severe as mine. Because I can only experience my pain. But apparently, she couldn't get over it. And I said all that to say this is that. My only way to protect myself was to draw an imaginary line. Because I drew the imaginary line. It has stopped me from having a meaningful relationship that I truly want. But I chose the protection of my heart over having a relationship with a man. Because my pain was so severe that i rather protect my feelings than to be vulnerable to a man. You see, I don't think my sisters or my sister that passed away made that decision to draw the imaginary line where no one could get past. Had she had drawn the imaginary line like I did, maybe she would have been alive today. Maybe she wouldn't have experienced heartbreak. Not to say (coughs) that she didn't. experience the pain that I did but I think 
that. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I protected myself from a lot of the hurt and pain because I did draw the imaginary line. I sacrificed love and all those other things that come with allowing people into your life. The downfall of drawing that imaginary line is that you won't be able to experience what it feels like to be in a relationship with the opposite sex. The downfall of drawing that imaginary line is that you become callous to the feelings of your suitors. And when I say that is that I know there have been men in my life that really liked me for who I was and they saw past what I was trying to project to them but I wouldn't allow it because my pain was too severe for me to even believe that they could like me for who I am. People ask me, how do you feel about your sister's passing? And I had to be honest with them. I said, I don't feel anything. Like, I didn't know my sister. I didn't have a relationship with her. I just knew she existed. I feel bad that she died in pain because I can kind of understand what drove her to her early death. And that's really sad because even though our lives are different, my mother was still able to destroy yet another life. And that is where the generational curse comes in at. Because that was the enemy's purpose from the beginning. To kill, steal, and destroy. So now she is not here. And now her descendants are going to suffer because of... Of her childhood trauma. And even though. I suffered the worst. I know. That God saved me. To help. Not only. My descendants. But the descendants of others. Who have suffered. The way I did. I'm not saying. That me drawing the imaginary line has worked for me. 
all I'm saying is that I drew that line because I was trying to protect myself because I didn't have nobody to protect me. The pain is a lot deeper than I can see. I am just now realizing that I hurt for my sister who is not able to get past the pain. I wish that she would have drawn the line because it might have protected her. But because she didn't have what I had. God put people in my life. And see, I tell these people, I said, you don't know the impact that you made in my life. You showed me another way. You showed me that you didn't have to be my real blood to love me. These people made a difference in my life. And I constantly tell them that because of you, I am who I am today. And I wish that my sisters had those people that I have in my life. Because now I am grieving over a sister that I never knew. That I know she died in pain. I know that my mother caused her to die early. So, I am here. I want people to understand that it is important that when you see someone who is acting in a way that you don't understand, You have to be mindful of what you say to them and how you treat them because you don't know their story. I was fortunate enough for God to put people in my life to speak life into me. To give me a reason to press on. And to live. I thank God. For those people that God put in my life. That spoke life into me. And said that you are important. You matter. I thank God for them. Because if it wasn't for them. I probably wouldn't be here today. Doing this podcast. To inform people. That pain is real. And if you don't get over it, if you don't have support, this is why I became a social worker. See, one of the things that uh, 
Because, see, when I go on interviews, I always worry about, look, do they see this? Do they see that? And, uh, you know, I always worry about, do they see what I see? And a lot of times, people don't see what I see. But I think they see what I see. All those people that um, judge me because of my appearance and how I acted, they don't understand that I am a rare breed. They don't know what I went through to get to where I'm at today. They don't understand that I am a gem. And I bring life into every place and every person that I meet and I touch. So you have to be mindful that when you see somebody different and they don't add up to what you think they should be, you better step back. And take a second glance at them. Because they just might be that person. That will change your life for the better. And I wish. That. I. Could have had a. Different relationship with my sister. Who is no longer here. Because. Maybe. I. Could have made an impact in her life. Just like those other people. Who I decided to let step over that imaginary lie that I put down for those that I wanted to protect myself against. So now I'm gonna erase that lie. I'm gonna remove it because people need to see my scars and my wounds, they need to know my story. Because maybe if they know my story, they will understand others. I didn't mean for this podcast to to go in the direction that it did. But as usual, I let the Holy Spirit lead me. So, if you happen to be listening to this podcast, I hope that it made you look at things a little different. I hope that it changed your way of thinking. I hope that you will see pain in other people and want to help them and stop judging them. I am so glad that you stuck with me to the end because you didn't have to. And I will be back again to talk about another important topic. So I'll see you the next time. Thank you. Hey, I'm back again to record another episode for my podcast. And I know it's been a while since I recorded my last podcast and it's partly because I just recently went through a trial and like I tell people if you are a case manager 
a priest, a preacher, a minister, case, uh, anybody in a position to help people um, change the direction of other people's lives, you can guarantee that you will be attacked. I know in a lot of my podcasts, I always talk about the enemy and what people don't understand is that the enemy is real. There is an invisible force out there that is out to get you, especially if you were on your way to death door. And then here you go with your naive and ignorant self. When I say ignorant, doesn't mean that you're dumb and you're stupid. It just means that there are some things that you don't know or understand. So you are ignorant to the enemy's attack because most people don't believe that the enemy does exist. Just like a lot of people don't believe that God exists. But I do know that both of them do exist. And um, recently, you know, I was talking to my brother cousin because now, you know, we are uh, doing Bible study together. And uh, how is that? Because we both are shocked. He's shocked. Is um, His shock, my brother cousin's shock, is that I'm the one that's teaching him the Bible. My shock is is that he's allowing me to do it. Because I know, like I told him, that, uh, you know, a lot of the family members look at me through the eyes of a victim. Because they are aware of my background and they know what was done to me. And they know that most people who went through what I went through are on drugs or dead or, you know, they just living their worst life. And here I am, uh, a survivor of all the things that have happened to me. And I'm at a point where I can teach people a few things. And um, I'm not going to waste my life trying to correct or try to make people see me in a different light. If they don't see me in the light that I am or that I'm supposed to be in, then that's their loss because they're the ones who are losing out on what I have to offer. What they don't understand is that a lot of uh, victims who have been traumatized as children and um, been uh, severely abused and have went through a lot of things that may have that could have destroyed them and have destroyed them that some of us do survive. Now, like I was saying. When you in the life-changing business, you will be attacked by the enemy. And the enemy will use anybody. And this time, he used my granddaughter. Like, for three weeks, I could say almost a month, my granddaughter was in the hospital for losing her appendix or her appendix bursting on her. And all the poison that was in the appendix was uh, in her system. So it kind of poisoned her system. So when my daughter took her to the hospital to see what was wrong with her, they immediately admitted her. 
But see, the thing about it is, is that the hospital, they knew that they didn't have any uh, specialties in dealing with this type of situation. So you know what they did? They transferred her to a hospital that could take care of her. And that hospital was Harlem Hospital. And you can say what you want about that hospital, but one thing I can tell you is that those doctors are serious about their business. They are in the healing business. I witnessed it firsthand. And see, you know what? When you are protected by God, he makes sure that you are in the best hands. Because Lincoln Hospital in the Bronx on 149th Street, I think in Grand Concourse, that's where my daughter took my granddaughter to to get some attention because she didn't know what was wrong with her. All it was was that my granddaughter was compa- complaining about having pains in her stomach. And I was ignorant. Like, I didn't know what was going on. I thought she was having cramps because she's at that age and she just started having her menstruation. And, you know, it wasn't... Uh, the cycle wasn't, you know, not complete, but it wasn't consistent. It was skip month. So I thought that she was just having cramps. So my ignorant behind was giving her Midol painkillers and giving her hot tea to drink and a water bottle. So when she went to stay with her mother, she still had those pains. As a matter of fact, I thought she was pretending. So when she went to stay with her mother, you know, the pain consisted. So her mother had enough sense, unlike me, because I don't go to the hospital because going back to my past, when my mother beat me up, she never took me to the hospital. She just hit me. So that negative trait transferred to me. Like for me to go to the hospital, my eyeball has to be hanging out the socket on a string for me to know, okay, this is serious. So I didn't take my granddaughter serious. So when my daughter uh, saw that she was in pain, she took her to the hospital and they admitted her. But they had enough sense to know that they couldn't deal with this. So guess what? They sent her to Harlem Hospital with a doctor there. That is his specialty. This is what he does. So God made sure that my granddaughter landed in the hands of a specialist that dealt with her situation. And that's how God is. He makes sure we see the best or we receive the best care for whatever ailment or situation that we come in contact with. So anyway, my granddaughter went to Harlem Hospital The doctor said that her case was one of the worst cases he had ever saw. So therefore, my granddaughter was under attack. They put so many IVs in her poor little arms that they collapsed her veins in both arms. They were sticking my granddaughter like she was a pinata. And sometimes it is good to have an advocate. It is good to have somebody in the hospital with your child because if I wasn't there they would have just done anything to her so my daughter stayed in there in the hospital for the first week and she called and she told me she said ma I can't do this no more so I said okay we'll switch 
parts because I was watching my brand new six month year or six months old granddaughter who's the energizer bunny and she has far too much energy for my old behind. So I said, okay, I'll switch. You get your baby and I'll go to the hospital with blessing. My granddaughter. So when I went to the hospital and I saw the condition that she was in, it hurt me to my heart. But my granddaughter told me, she said, Grandma, when you came to the hospital, I came back to life. All the swelling that was in her face, because her face was swollen, everything was swollen on her. It went down the first day I was there. I watched my granddaughter heal supernaturally even though she was in a hospital as soon as I went in there the events began to turn for the better she had so many IVs they was feeding her intravenously they was giving her antibiotics every four four hours and stuff the nurses would come in there I mean our door our hospital room was like grand situation the doctors was coming in the nurses was coming in the people to bring the food was coming in like it was like a, a revolving door but that is something that I prepared myself for even though I wasn't prepared for this attack I prepared myself for being there for my granddaughter. And I'm telling you, she is my hero. I seen that little girl go through so much that a 12-year-old little girl should not have to go through. I mean, she was truly under attack. Because when I asked the doctors how could this happen, the doctor explained to me that it happens more than I realized. But there was no explanation as to why it happened. This is how I know it was an attack. So, whatever I had going on for myself, I had to put that to the side because I had to be there for my granddaughter. And that I was. I waited on her hand and foot. I watched my granddaughter walk to the bathroom with an IV and two drains, one in the back and one in the front. Because after they had removed her appendix, she had developed abscess. And every time they took her temperature, it would go up and down, up and down. And that's how I knew that a fight was going on inside of her. And that enemy was not going to win. That doctor had enough sense to take uh, body images and he saw that she had two abscesses so they had to be drained. So this is when they put a drain in the back and they put one in the front. So I saw my granddaughter uh, learn how to hold the drains in her hand and push the obby with one hand to go to the bathroom. She had to unplug the the monitor where all the IBs that she was getting fed intravenously and then the antibiotics and then the uh, uh, Tylenol for pain because she was in pain. They stuck so many IBs in my granddaughter's arms, like I said, to the point where her veins had collapsed. Her arms looked like she was a dope fiend. Because they kept sticking her and sticking her and sticking her. And I had to argue with the doctors. I was like, y'all have to feed my grandchild. Because she lost so much weight. 
And when I looked at her and saw her frail body, it hurt me to my heart. And I was getting ready to go into depression. But the Holy Spirit said, if you don't be strong for her, who else will be strong for her? So I couldn't even let her see that I was upset. So I turned my mind around. I said, nope, I'm going to be strong for her. So every time she had to go to the bathroom, I had to go under the bed, get her slippers. I had to help her, but she was strong because she said, nope, I don't want no help. I could do this myself. And all I could do was to be walking behind her and be there for her in case she fell. I was running back and forth to my house. I had to feed the cat. I had to drop off dirty clothes. I had to take a bath and I had to put on some clean clothes and bring some clean clothes to the hospital. Every two days I had to keep coming back to my house because I had a cat to think about. So for three weeks, I was living in the hospital, sleeping on a hospital cot, waiting hand and foot on my granddaughter. And I said to God, I said, God, This must be coming to an end because this is one of the most hardest that I ever been through in my life. So whatever trial, the waiting period that I'm going through, it has to be coming to an end because I know for a fact that when things are coming to an end, it gets the worst. So this has got to be almost over with. I can't tell you how God has looked out for me. Um, Like I was telling my cousin brother that not too many people get to the point where God manifests himself and shows you that he could take care of you in the midst of nothing. It's hard to have faith when things are looking so bad. But sometimes that's the only thing you have in these midst of adversity. And all I could tell you is that, look, I don't know where that strength came in at. That's why that scripture that says God won't give you a so-called scripture because it really doesn't say that. But people misquote the scripture and saying that God won't give you more than you can bear. And that is a lie. He will give you more than you can bear because he will stretch you beyond your imagination. He will give you strength when you run out of your own strength. When you let go, that's where God picks up at. And I don't know where I got that strength from, but I could tell you that I think it came from faith. And the only reason why I had faith because I had nothing else to depend on. I was forced to have faith. And sometimes God will force you to have faith. Especially if you have no other choice and you ran out of all your resources. See, people don't really know how God works. You learn as you go. You learn as you mature. And I can tell you right now, I have matured. God is teaching me how to be quiet and not speak. Slow to anger. 
Because not only was I dealing with her, I was dealing with other stuff. And I didn't know how I was going to make it through, but I made it through. And I am happy to say that sometimes you got to stand strong. Sometimes when you ain't got nothing to give, God will put in the difference. This has been one of the most trying trials that I went through to see your loved one, your grandbaby, go through something that you wish on nobody, not even your enemies, and make it out alive. And I'm here to testify that God is my strength. And he is in control of everything. He allows things to happen. Like I was telling my cousin brother, look, the enemy can't go behind God back and, and, and do stuff. He has to ask permission. And God will allow it, not because uh, he won't give you more than you can bear. He will allow it because he knows what he put inside of you and he will expose it to the enemy that's the only reason why he allows things to happen cause he has to let the enemy know that I got her back or I got his back and as long as I have their back there's nothing you can do about it because I know what I put in this person not you And I will continue to prove to you that I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I orchestrate all events. And I am in control of what's seen and what's not seen. So you can attack this person all you want. But if I say that they will live, there's nothing the enemy can do. So I said all that to say this is that you have to have faith and you have to stand strong even when you think you can. Even when you think you're about to collapse, that's when God picks up because he don't need your help. He just needs you to witness what he can do so you can tell somebody else. And I'm here to tell you that God is real and I'm so glad I serve him. So if you continue to put God in a box and say that he can't be at all places at one time and that he can't come through a human vessel and die for our sins, then you don't know who you messing with. You don't know the true and living God. You don't know Jesus Christ and you don't know the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what kind of God you talking about that you putting him in a box and you saying that he can't die when he did die for our sins. And that's one of the the, the, the sins that he will not forgive you for. So you better think about what you say and how you think. You better stop saying you have faith when you have none. And you really don't have to have much because the Bible said all you need is some mustard seed and sometimes that's all you got. You didn't have to stay with me this long to listen to what I had to say, but I'm so glad you did. And I promise you the next time I do this podcast, I'm going to have something else important to say. So be with me the next time. When I do another podcast, 
And I thank you for sticking with me to the end. Thank you.